Now, we've been um, talking about uh, the power of prayer and the power of conversations with the shepherd. And uh, we've been using, sort of to talk about prayer, we've been using the story of Little Much Afraid. And um, this is from a cl Christian classic called Hind's Feet on High Places. If you haven't read it, we still have a couple copies out there in the foyer. Um, if you'd like to pick one up, you can just grab one on the way out and begin reading it. It's a powerful allegory of the Christian life. And um, really, the, the primary focus of the story of Much Afraid is her journey to the high places. So she starts out living in the Valley of Humiliation. She's still a servant of the shepherd. She's still a Christian, but she is living in this low place. And really, that's the point of this whole sermon series, is that God's got something bigger and better for you than living in the Valley of Humiliation. God doesn't want us to be always struggling and, 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 and winning and then losing and vacillating in our faith. God wants us to live in victory. That's what the high places mean. The high places are the place where we follow God and we keep up with Jesus. Uh, basically, wherever Jesus goes, that's where we're going. And, and uh, Jesus, of, of course, is pictured as the shepherd in the story of Much Afraid. And Much Afraid is honestly us. I mean, just the fears that are inside of us. And um, we've been looking at how each encounter that she has with, much of, with, with, with the shepherd changes her perspective and changes her, her, her pursuit of the high places. And so we're in about, uh, we're at chapter 9. Oh, look at you guys. Look at that. Awesome. Um, and then I've asked these ladies to join us, mainly because um, these are ladies of varying um, ages, varying backgrounds, and um, I, I feel like they have a lot of stories and insight to lend to what we're sharing about today. Um, let me just introduce, we have Janie Reese right here. If you could give it up for Janie. She's, she's one of our, our prayer warriors. She hosts a prayer meeting at her house every week on Tuesday nights. So if you're interested in joining the prayer team, uh, come talk to Janie. And then Cheryl uh, Turner right there. Give it up for Cheryl. She, um, were you the first, the first w woman cop in, in, in Houston? Is that how that works? Yes, so she trained guys. So you don't want to mess with Cheryl. You don't mess with Cheryl. She's, uh, uh, Noah, right here, she leads worship for us. Give it up for Noah. And then Casey. Casey Chavez. Yeah, she, she hosts a prayer meeting at her house as well on Tuesdays. So if you'd like to go to prayer, we have one in South Austin and one in... Buda. It's almost Kyle. It's, it's, it's kind of a little more south Buda. But anyway, um, so it's great with two different locations. And uh, these are some great ladies of prayer. And I've asked them to help me talk about um, Much Afraid. I kind of feel like, can, can we curve it a little bit this way so I can see you guys a little bit better? <laughs> Sorry. I just, you know, I, I need to have eye contact and all. Yeah, it's Ikea. So it's very light. This came from our house. Um, but we're, we're, we're picking up Thank you. We're picking up in chapter um, 9, where, where we left off last week, and Much Afraid encounters the, uh, the precipice of injury. She encounters the precipice of injury. Now, last week we talked about Much Afraid. She was wandering. Uh, the shepherd was making her wander through the desert, and then she was wandering along the, the, the shores of loneliness. It seemed like she wasn't even going in the right direction. Well, now in chapter 9, she, she turns toward the high places, and finally it looks like she's going in the right direction. And then, sure enough, she comes up to this massive um, side of the mountain, this precipice called uh, Injury. And she is immediately shocked and horrified. Um, she really feels like she cannot 
go on. She, she just realizes, like, this is way too steep for me. This is way too difficult. And then she sees some deer kind of skip up there. And that's what Hind's Feet in a High Place is all about, that the shepherd promised that he would give her deer feet. And she realizes, though, that she doesn't yet have deer feet. And so she's, she's really freaked out by this, and she just basically wants to turn back at that point. And she cries out, and um, she has her two fellow companions that the shepherd specifically chose for her, sorrow and suffering. Um, yay, Jesus loves you. Um, <laughs> it has a wonderful plan for your life. Um, you know, it's, it's sorrow and suffering are the beautiful companions that he chose. And so they tell her, you know, you need to call on the shepherd. You need to pray. You need to, you need to cry out to the shepherd. And, and, and she uh, doesn't want to do that. She says, I know that if I cry out to him that he'll make me go up there. And I don't, I don't, I just don't think I can do it. And it gets really intense. And so finally, uh, I think suffering, her, her, her fellow helper, pulls out a knife, right? It's like suffering's from Detroit. And so just, <laughs> she just got a knife. Just, you know, you got it. So she just pulls out this knife and like pricks much afraid like in her arm or something. I don't know. It's not where it's going to kill her. But, you know, and, and so the pain from suffering, like she, she just cries out to the shepherd. And so that's kind of our, the first point that I really see in this story is that sometimes prayer is not always, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, uh, if I should die. That's kind of morbid anyway. If I should die, hey kids, you might not make it tonight. <laughs> Let's pray. Amen. All right. Um, that's, yeah, anyway, it's not always like that. Sometimes prayer is desperate. Sometimes prayer is, ah! God, you know, and uh, it's it's an OMG prayer, you know, it's an actual prayer, like, oh, what is going on here? And so she cries out in desperation, and the shepherd shows up, and um, we were we were talking about, Noah was talking to me about this this past week, and she had some thoughts on that, so I'd just like for you to share what, what you shared with me um, on desperation prayers and sort of that, that whole situation with the shepherd. Okay, well, um, I decided to follow the shepherd his way for the first time, I think, in my whole life with my whole heart mm. when I started hanging out with City Chapel. Yeah, we weren't, <laughs> we weren't really a church, so you weren't going to City Chapel. Well, I wasn't going to go to City Chapel. Out. I was going to move to Colorado and open my clinic there. And um, Anyway, he did some incredible things in my life through the Breaking Free Bible study that I did with Rowena. And I kept telling them, I'm still not coming to City Chapel. Here I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> so in the course of the last eight months, the Lord has shown me just incredible things that he has for me. Mm -hmm. And I have so much hope. Um, but there was a very distinctive moment that I came to this precipice to the mountain and I said no <laughs> I am not going there and mm. so I had brought a four-year relationship with me into my pursuit of Jesus with my whole heart that wasn't going to cut it <laughs> but um, there was a moment when we were kind of working on breaking up and I just at three in the morning I was like nope not ever going to do that I'm sticking with this guy forever no matter what it takes and it's just like in this passage where she said she clung to them and sobbed again. I am afraid to call. I am so afraid that if I call him, he will tell me that I must go that way, that dreadful, dreadful way, and I can't. It's impossible. I can't face it. What shall I do? And then I love this part because she says he'll make me build an altar. 
<laughs> and basically, he will make me put my will down. And um, that was the hardest thing I've done in a long time. But mm. it's so good, though, um, yeah. how the Lord met me. Because later on in that page, she ends up saying that when the shepherd did show up after she cried out in that suffering moment, that his his presence was like a strong and exhilarating cordial that had been poured into her heart and that a dream of courage and strength mm -hmm. was flowing into her from his presence and that is absolutely 100% my daily experience walking yeah. with him. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a big that's a big component of prayer. When we when we enter into prayer with the shepherd, when we commune with him, we invite his presence into our life. And what at once was so fearful for her and so undoable, you know, so impossible, so preposterous, as they say in the books. It's kind of an old school book. I don't usually use the word preposterous. But preposterous, it just becomes just so natural. And so I have the quote here from, from the shepherd when, whenever, whenever, she's, whenever she's talking to him in that conversation, the shepherd says, um, the shepherd laughs too. Uh, and it says, I love doing preposterous things, he replies. <laughs> I love doing preposterous things. Why? I don't know anything more exhilarating and delightful than turning weakness into strength and fear into faith and that which has been marred into perfection. And that is the kind of shepherd that we serve. And, um, and we've, been, we've been walking alongside Noah. And so, you know, uh, we've seen... We've seen God just doing some great things in her life, but it's not from us, and it's not even from the church. Like, we can't even take credit for it. It's just we've just been watching Jesus, the shepherd, do what the shepherd does. And, 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 and when people call on the shepherd um, at 3 a.m., you know, when, when you call on the shepherd, what you thought was impossible, what you thought you could not lay down, what you thought you could not give up, what you thought you just was preposterous, you're going to find that the shepherd is right there ready to fill you with courage and strength and power to walk in that. And uh, what I love, which, which we didn't, we, I, I didn't put the quote on the, on the screen, but, but it says in the book that, that her, her, her eyes of shame were not met with reproach in his. <laughs> so when you actually get into the presence of the shepherd, regardless of what you've been tempted or what you've been carrying around or what you've done, your shame is not going to be met with reproach from him. It's going to be met with acceptance and love. And that's exactly what she finds uh, when, she, when she just cries out to him. Um, and and sometimes, sometimes I think life kind of forces you to do that. Life brings some of those things to us. And, um, and so we want, to, we want to think about that. This is, this, this, this is the, the quote that she just read, that, um, that when he showed up, he sounded so cheery and so full of strength. And moreover, without a hint of reproach, that much afraid felt as though a strong and exhilarating cordial had been poured into her heart and that a stream of courage and strength was flowing into her from her, his presence. Um, and I, I just love the part that when, they, when they're talking in that, um, she finds out that, that the shepherd has more faith in her than she does. And so I have this quote to, to show you. Um, much afraid trembled and looked at him shamefacedly and said, I don't think I want hind's feet if it means I have to go on a path like that. And uh, the shepherd was very, uh, a very surprising person. Instead of looking either disappointed or disapproving, he actually laughed and said, oh, yes, you do. He said cheerfully, I know you better than you know yourself. <laughs> and that is the shepherd of our souls. And that's why it's so important that we follow him, because he knows us better 
then we know ourselves. Even when we feel like we can't, um, he just kind of laughs and says, no, no, I know that you can. Sometimes God's got more faith in you than you have in him. Come on, somebody. You need to get, get some Get some faith. Did you, did any other ladies have any other thoughts on, on that chapter, on that, 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 that encounter? Well, you already let the cat out of the bag that I was a cop, okay? So I was I knew I knew it was going to come <laughs> up, and so I well, thought I'd just... I love preposterous things from the Lord. That, that, yeah. I wasn't going to even speak of it today, but you let the cat out of the bag. I was very powerful, in a very powerful position, total control, the best of the best, um, highly decorated, and uh, one day I found myself in a situation and uh, a guy pulled a gun on me and I cried out to him in a sinful manner. I was a, I was a Christian as I was a child, but I got away from him and I was 32 years old. And here I am crying out to God and I had an immediate vision of myself being in a grave and my husband and my two children were looking down at me. And mm -hmm. I, it just happened so fast. And I said, oh my God, help me. And um, I walked home to be with my family. and. Uh, he did a prosperous thing. He um, hmm. didn't let two bullets come out of that gun. He shot at me twice. My husband's a firearms instructor, and he got permission from um, the people to shoot the gun, and every bullet came out of it. And I tell you what, God hmm. knew me more than I knew myself. He, needed, hmm. he knew that I needed to die to myself. I needed to die who I had made myself to be and who I wanted to be. Hmm. And I ran back to him. And it was, a, it was a hard place. But when I was a baby Christian, everybody kept saying, you got to die to self, you got to die to self. Well, I had total control. It was so hard to give God control. But uh, I got down on my knees like a little child, just like the now laid me down to sleep. And I said, I'm tired. I'm weary. You know, you saved my life. You must love me. Um, didn't think I was lovable. Didn't think Jesus could love me back for all the things that I'd done. And he just poured his spirit out into me and said, I love you, and I know the plans I have for you. And Jeremiah 29, 11 was the first scripture that I ever learned. You know, okay, what did I do that you didn't want me to do? Now you make me. You make me what you meant for me to be in my mother's womb. And that's what he did, yeah. because that's what dying to self is. The song you sang a while ago, let your breath be my breath. That's dying mm -hmm. to self and letting yeah. go and trusting. That's good. And uh, he also gives her a little a little bottle of uh, special drink to help her up the mountain. <laughs> so I thought, well, okay, what's this all about? But um, special drink is uh, <laughs> entitled the, the Cordial of Grace and Comfort. Grace and Comfort. So she, so, she, so, so, so she is to drink some grace and comfort, not anything else, all right, uh, on her way up the mountain to kind of help with the nervousness. And I think that's so true. That's so what we find when we turn to the shepherd in prayer, that we find grace and comfort. Grace is the power to keep going. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the graciousness of God to, to help. But power uh, or, or comfort is, 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 is the soothing nature of God that, that, that takes away the sting of what exactly we're laying down and going through. That we can go through it with joy. And so he gives us some grace and comfort. And so prayer, uh, for me, first of all, it brings comfort. I think that's, that, that's the point, is that prayer brings, brings comfort, that when we turn to God in prayer, regardless of where we're at, even if we're just crying out uh, and somebody's got a gun to our head, um, it can, it, prayer can immediately just bring comfort to our situation. But secondly, prayer brings um, contentment. 
And so many, many times we, we're, we're anxious for other things and um, we don't have contentment. And she finds this. She starts walking through the forest of tribulation and she finds that suddenly she's not climbing anymore and she just has to be content with walking through this forest. And, uh, and, and, there's, and she comes across the flower. She comes across a flower that, that Casey and I were talking about. The, the flower is called the flower of bearing the, the, the cost. Um, but, but the flower says, also some people call me forgiveness. And I think that's such a huge part of contentment. It's such a huge part of finding contentment in Jesus Christ is learning how to let go, learning how to allow this flower to grow in our hearts, this flower of forgiveness where we release other people um, from, 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 from everything that, that, that God's released us from as well. Uh, so do you, do you guys have any thoughts on the flower of, of forgiveness? No. Sure. Okay. I have thoughts on. I have if thoughts not, about fine. everything, Harry. Because. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um. Well, when we were talking about just giving things up on that altar, hmm. you know, it's. I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and I cannot look back on anything that He asked me to give up that I regret giving up. Yeah. There's not one thing, yeah. and. When I came to the Lord, I had a, I had a bow, too, that I had been with for a long time, and he had to go on the altar. A bow. You might need a to boyfriend. translate that. Bow. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know if you're hunting. But Are we deer he went on the altar. I, I'm getting into the, the vocabulary of the book. Sad, you've been reading Much Afraid. That's good. That's good. Um, but there's never been something that I've looked back and I've said, oh, I just regret that God asked me for that. Mm. Not, I can't think of anything. Hmm. And, um, but then, you know, fast forward to forgiveness and we were talking about that this week is that, you know, she went to this precipice of, of injury, of injury. Sometimes injury happens from other people. Come on, somebody. I'll just so, tell you right there, right there. Sometimes. I will say this. Sometimes. But it does. But it does. It really does. Sometimes injury comes from other Christians. Yeah. And. We still have to forgive them. Even I had some conversation with my son this week that went like this. He, we have a thing in our family that if you get into trouble because you're being disobedient or whatever the case may be, you need to apologize. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to be repentant about it. And I don't, because he's seven now, I don't really push him. I want it to come from his heart. Mm. So I say to him sometimes, well, you haven't really fixed it between us. There's this thing between us now, and it's not fixed. And um, I said, I've already forgiven you, but, you know, he still needs to ask. And I think that that's kind of how it is in our walk with people. There's so many times, and and sometimes you're never going to get that apology. You're never going to get someone coming to you and saying, I'm sorry, but you yeah. forgive them because you're forgiven and you've been that person. We've all been the person that it, lately my prayer is more like, God, please don't let me be the, the person who causes the injury. Yeah. Yeah. Please help me not to be that person. Please guide the words of my mouth so that I'm not that person because mm. I've been hurt and I know what that feels like. Mm. And, you know, so you kind of have to, Look at all the sides of it. Absolutely, yeah. And um, I have a quote here from the from from the flower from from what the flower says. And I just thought it was beautiful. It says, 
Uh, there's this whispering laugh that's passing th through the leaves. And uh, she thought that she heard the flowers say, I was separated from all my companions. I was exiled from home, carried here, and imprisoned in this rock. Uh, it was not my choice, but the work of others who, when they dropped me here, went away and left me to bear the results of what they had done. And that's what I mean by you can be injured by others. People can do things either intentionally or unintentionally um, to hurt you, stab you in the back or in the front. I mean, you know, is this, is, this, this flower was left there by others. And she says, I have borne... I've borne it, I've carried it, and I've not fainted. I have not ceased to love. And that's the key. I have not ceased to love. And love, capital L, helped me push through the crack in the rock until I could look right out onto my love, capital L, the Son himself. And see now, there is nothing whatever between my love and my heart. Nothing around to distract me from him. He shines on me and makes me to rejoice. And he has atoned to me for all that was taken from me and done against me. There's no flower in all the world more blessed or satisfied than me, for I look up to him as a weaned child, and I say, whom have I in heaven but you? There is none upon the earth that I desire but you. And that's what the heart of forgiveness will do. It'll remove anything between you and other people, but it'll also remove anything between you and God. And that's part of prayer. When you enter into prayer, Jesus said, uh, you know, in, in the Lord's prayer, he said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's, it's a part of prayer. And so God will remind you of somebody. God will remind you of something that is between you and somebody else and because it's coming between you and him. And, um, and so, and so what, what happened in the story is uh, uh, she, she, was, she was limping because she had fallen and scraped. She had been hurt. She scraped her knee. And uh, sorrow and suffering said, hey, you need to take that, 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 that same bottle that the shepherd had given you uh, of, of grace and comfort that you've been drinking, and you need to apply it to your knee. And that's exactly, to me, what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is taking that same grace and comfort that God has given to you and applying it to your woundedness and applying it to those who have wounded you <laughs> and pouring out that same grace and comfort that you've received, pouring it out to somebody else and allowing that to heal the wound. That it's not, you don't have the power necessarily to release people of what they've done. You have the power to, to make sure that you are healed from the wounds of what people have done to you. And that comes through the grace and the power of Jesus Christ. Sometimes you can't even forgive them, but Jesus can forgive them through you uh, if, you'll, if you'll open yourself up to that. And um, that grace and comfort will be applied to somebody else. Uh, she, so she learns contentment by not looking to other people. Because I think that's one of the things that we lose contentment when we want everybody to be okay with us. And when, they, when they're not, then we're not content. We're like, oh, something's wrong with me. And what she learns is that it's not what other people think about her. It's about what the shepherd thinks about her. And so she keeps her eye on the shepherd, and she walks with him. She's not looking to others, but she's also not looking to results. I love this little quote uh, that uh, the shepherd says to her. He says, do you believe that I will, I will let you be put to shame on the way up? And uh, <laughs> Because that's what he had promised. He said, I, you will not be put to shame. He says, do you believe that I will let you be put to shame? Much Afraid looked at him and then said something that she'd never been willing to say before. She said, I don't think I mind very much if you do, only that you have your way with me, shepherd. Nothing else matters. And, and I've heard so many, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of counseling in church and stuff, and, and people come to God for different reasons. And um, they often stay, stick with God for different reasons. But one of the things that I think is always a trap of the enemy is that whenever you come to God for results, it's always a trap because if you fall in love with the result, if you fall in love with the fact that he won't let me be put to shame or he will restore my family or he will do this or he will do that, 
whatever he, that he will do like for you is great. And, and God is not a man that he should lie, so he's going to fulfill his promises. But if, if the result is your hope, then you will constantly be discontent because it might take a while for that result to appear <laughs> for you to see it. But instead, man, what prayer does is it aligns our hope, not with a particular result, but with simply doing his will. And that's what Jesus said when he prayed uh, to his father. He said, not my will, but your will be done. That is the end of all prayers. That is the end result. That is where prayer should take us, to that place where we say, my goal, my result, my purpose, my, what I'm living for is that, is, that, is that my shepherd has his way with me, and that whatever he wants to do, a benefit for me or for others along that journey is totally up to him. But for me, I'm contented in being obedient to him. And then thirdly, uh, she's not looking to circumstances either because uh, it starts storming, and um, that's where she learns how to sing. And uh, so she learns to sing a song in the middle of the storm because you can still have joy in the middle of the storm, and it's called contentment. Uh, not trying to get, get out of the storm first, but rather just in the middle of the storm, recognizing that Jesus is still your shepherd and that he's still near and that you're still following him and that he's still worthy. And so she begins singing songs to him, and that really stuck out to me as well. Were there any, 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 any other parts of the chapter that stuck out to any of you ladies um, before we move on? Yeah. Yes. You About what you just said. Sure. Um, for me right now, the, my forgiveness, practicing forgiveness is really about staying close to the Father right now um, and, and walking out a daily repentance and being in prayer every single day and and having, asking him for his cleansing and for forgiveness every day and making that a practice. And yeah. I've got to say that um, the contentment and the, the joy and the comfort and the grace is real. Like, I, yeah. when I started on this journey eight months ago of really committing my life completely to him, I was having daily panic attacks, and I would talk to Roe about it all the time, um, or anxiety attacks, and... Um, I was taking all kinds of herbal medicine for it. Mm. And um, my life right now does not make any sense to me whatsoever in the physical. Um, I financially, where I'm just like, I've always um, been kind of more in control. And mm. I was able to just open a brand new clinic. You guys might have seen it online, but um, it's the scariest thing I've ever done. And every single morning, I'm like, what is going on in this place? And I feel blessed, but I also feel terrified. And mm. I mean, this the, I'm at this place this week, just in relationship with the Lord, where I was like, if I ever have to file bankruptcy, it's your life. It's not mine. It's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but like, it's he's, good to go he's there. leading me, yeah, and I am good. putting everything into it. Yeah. And I'm at that place where I'm like, Lord, even, I don't think that you're ever going to put me to shame, but even if it happened, like, you are so mm. good. I just want to be in your presence, yeah. you know? Yeah. And anyway, that's it. That's so good. Yeah, and that's the place we came to a year and a half ago as far as planting this church. <laughs> you know, that's the place this church was birthed out of. Um, because, you know, we quit our jobs <laughs> and started a church in a theater. Like, that's not smart, <laughs> you know? We <laughs> It's not, you know... The, 
rational people don't do those things. Um, but it's something that God was calling us to do. And that's, and then people are like, well, what if nobody shows up? What if nobody, you know, what if nobody tithes? You know, <laughs> what if nobody gives to the church? What if you get, what if you can't afford, you know, to live? And, and all these, all these what ifs. And so I, I actually got a Word document, which I saved all my fears, all the what ifs that I had. And, um, but it's good to write it out, you know, and just be honest about it and say, these are some, this is the risk, this is the cost, this is what, this is what I'm putting on the altar. This is every fear that I have. And then just present it to God and say, God, even though I am much afraid, I am afraid much, um, I desire to be obedient more than I do to alleviate my fears, you know? I desire to walk in obedience more than I do what, some sense of security. Because the truth is, I mean, it's just a false sense of security anyway. I mean, you know, the job you have, you might not have next month. The, the house you live in, you might not live in. It's, it's, it's all fleeting anyway. And so all that really matters is that we hear the voice of the Father and that we obey Him. Can I say something about yeah. joy? Is a lot of times, the first thing I have to do is I have to put on praise and worship when I get up. Mm. I hit it on my, my radio, and in the, if you got in my car and I'm driving, it's always going to be praise and worship. If you get in the car and it's got country western, it's Jimmy. <laughs> I have to. It was oldies have, last time I was in his oh, and it was. Car. He, loves, he loves those two. <laughs> but I have to have praise and worship. Mm. And even, even in the book, it said that Jesus sang to her. Even when you don't feel like singing, there's a scripture in the Bible that says God sings to his children. And if you don't feel like doing it, call on Jesus and say, Jesus, sing to me. Sing mm. to me. Bring your joy into me. Wow. I yeah. can't make it without joy. Amen. That's so good. And finally, prayer brings courage. Um, she walks through what's called the mist, which is a place where she can't see her hand in front of her face, and she's just basically walking with trust. Um, and then she goes through the valley of loss which seems to be the loss of everything that she had gained. And, and there's several different kinds of loss, um, but uh, I, I'd ask Janie just to share with us her experience and, and the way that the shepherd has been walking alongside her um, through that valley for the past uh, 15 years. <laughs> well, 15 years ago, I, um, I had fell and <laughs> did not know that I would go through the valley of loss. Um, I had injured my back, and um, I went through several years of some pretty um, terrible years of mm. of pain. And uh, of course, um, if anybody has ever injured their back, um, you must know what it's like to live with um, therapy. And I had over oh, I would say maybe 200 injections to my back, um, lots of things that happened to my back and mm. um, before I was told that I was gonna have to have this surgery. And so I'm going through this valley and still God would still speak to me. And of course, I'm still afraid because all these things that are still, uh, I'm, I'm hearing God, but then I'm hearing also the afraid part of me, uh, the mm. fear of, of what's going to have to happen. Yeah. And so I, I looked up a, a doctor that was in Arizona, and I'm, I'm supposed to, you know, this doctor's supposed to be the best doctor, uh, and he moves to Austin, and so I finally decide, okay, I'm going to have the surgery. And so I go to have the surgery, and 
the surgery failed. Um, and so my back collapsed on me. And so when I was, after this happened, um, I waited two years before I had my, my second surgery because of what was gonna have to happen. When I was told um, what had to happen, uh, all my organs had to be removed outside of my body mm. in order to get to my back to fix what was already there and the damage that had happened to me. Mm -hmm. And so I was much more afraid now and still listening to God and telling me that I was going to be okay and that everything was okay and I was going to be healed. And so I was still, ha part of me was trusting God, but still I was still afraid. And so I'm still walking through this valley, but still looking at the mountain top. And so um, I waited two years. And because I waited so long, um, I, I, another thing was going to happen, but I still not, I'm, I'm not knowing about this. So I have the surgery, and it, it was a horrible surgery, uh, but I made it through that. And in the process, I'm... You know, after my surgery, I get to meet uh, mm. Pastor, and I meet them online. I, I, I see a video, and so then I get to go and uh, meet them at uh, Promised Land. Promise Land. And so I'm looking for a church, and so I'm walking around a little bit. And so I, um, you know, hook up with them, and so the church is still not going on. So... Uh, in the meantime, I'm, you know, he's sending people already to me and everything, and so they're mm -hmm. already praying for me. And then in the meantime, I'm already climbing up the mountain, and then I get another fall. And I need a hip replacement. And through all of this, and this is something that all of you, it doesn't matter how it God is still with you mm. no matter how deep you walk in the valley God walks with you it was my fault you see sometimes we stay in the valley because we choose to walk in the valley mm. I chose to to wait two years to do this surgery, which destroyed my hip, and I'm that's why I needed the hip replacement. Mm. So a lot of times we choose to stay in the valley longer than we needed to. It's not because that's true. You, yeah, you can sit down in the valley. Yes, <laughs> yes. So <laughs> when it was time forward, for me, yes, when it was time for me to walk out of the valley, mm. you see, uh, because we tend to kind of not do what we were supposed to. Well, that's what fear can do. Fear yes. can paralyze you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. So a lot mm. of times because we do have that fear, we tend to kind of yeah. get stagnant and not yeah. pray ourselves out of things. The shepherd just kind of sits down with you. Yes, and, yeah, and that's what he'll do. <laughs> that is true. He's not going anywhere. That's right. Yeah. So if we take a step forward, he'll walk with us. Yeah. So, um, hmm. and as Noah was saying, uh, and I don't believe that God will let you 
um, you took a step forward with God and believing in God. So he's going to walk with you all the way through with yeah. you. So yeah. I, don't need, I don't believe you need to have any fear there. Mm. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Yeah, living with physical pain is a whole whole nother level. You know, there's emotional pain, then there's this constant physical pain. And so um, I'm glad that God's bringing, continuing to bring you through that. And, and I'm glad for all the awesome ladies who have rallied around Janie. Yes. Uh, Amen. Several who have gone over to her house and prayed with her. Yes. Um, it's not me sending people. They just, they just do good stuff just because they're good people. So uh, we have an awesome, awesome church. And um, I just, I just yes. love love them yes we have the okayest church which is pretty darn good there are a lot of churches out there okay um anyway to to, to, to kind of wrap this up i I'd, I'd like to take um a scriptural model of prayer and um uh, the first week I, I gave you guys the lord's prayer and and on your sermon notes i had some blanks for you to fill in and I, I wanted to do this again um, this week, just so you have something in your hands to take home. And I and I, I hope you've connected with several testimonies here. But but really, um, the the scriptural model of prayer that I'd like to give you today is is what is known as the tabernacle prayer. And so it's looking at the Old Testament tabernacle, which my goodness, we could preach for like days on that. Um, but I'm not gonna not. I'm going to try not to do that. Uh, and I just want to go through the, the tabernacle. So, so we have a picture of, of the overall tabernacle, the Old Testament tabernacle. This is the place where God used to dwell in the wilderness in the Old Testament, that God specifically, he gave specific instructions on how to build it and the articles that the people of Israel would have in it. And um, we believe that, that even though we don't worship in a tabernacle anymore, we worship in theaters now with cup holders. Come on, somebody. Um because we're more spiritual than they were. Um, <laughs> yet, at the same time, this is for our instruction. This is for our learning. We can, we can, we can look at this and we can see a pattern. And so that, that's what I have there for the, uh, the back of your notes. If you can whip out a pen and, and just fill in these blanks. I want you to take these home so that when you go into prayer, um, you, can, you can follow these steps. Right? It's, I think it's seven, seven different articles, and these represent seven steps. The first place, or the first article, is the outer court. This is where you first come in. And uh, we believe that this represents thanksgiving and praise. So the blank there is thanksgiving and praise. This is the outer court of thanksgiving and praise. Scripture says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts uh, with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And that's what Cheryl was talking about just a minute ago. Even when you feel like you don't feel like singing or praising, you still ought to enter into his presence with thanksgiving. There's something you can be thankful about. There's some way that you can praise him. And so... Just, just start off prayer that way. Even if it's short, even if you can't think of much, start off prayer, prayer with thanksgiving and praise. And, and, and as they would come into to the outer court, the first thing they would see there is what, what was called the brazen altar. And so the brazen altar, the blank for that, this really represents the cross of Jesus. Um, and this should be a part of every single prayer time that you have with your shepherd. Every conversation ought to reflect your thankfulness for the cross. There's a scripture there from Psalm 103, 2 through 5. But what's interesting is this brazen altar, basically it had, it had four pillars, and, and then it had a spot for fire in the middle. And, and the animals would be tied, their four limbs would be tied to each, each pillar, and they would be suspended. The animal would literally be suspended over, over the flame that they're about to, to, to be roasted in. And that represented the fact that Jesus was lifted up. He was suspended between heaven and earth. And that's where the sacrifice 
for your sin and my sin was made. And that's the only reason why we can come to the Father anyway, is through the blood of Jesus. And so in every prayer encounter with our shepherd, we ought to be thanking him for the cross and all that that meant for us. The cross had paid for our, our sins. The cross paid for our redemption. The cross paid for our what, what, what the old school guys would call sanctification. That's called restoration. That's making us holy. The cross pays for our healing, our physical healing, the stripes on Jesus' back. That's how we can claim healing. Uh, physical healing is through the cross, and so we always have to go to that. And then the third element is the labor, and this is really just a big bowl. It's for cleansing and preparation. Every time we come before our shepherd, we ought to ask him, are there any sins in my life? Is there anything that I need cleansed of? You might, there might be things that you don't even think that are sins, that he might reveal to you these things are dirty. These things need to be washed off of you. I want, I, I, wanna, I want to take this off of you. And so every time we come before the shepherd, every conversation we have, we ought to, to cleanse ourselves and prepare ourselves. That ought to be part of our prayer time is saying, God, prepare me to be used today. Uh, and this, this scripture is up there, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. These sacrifices ought to be holy and pleasing to God. That means clean and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We ought to pray over our hands. God, cleanse my hands. God, use my hands to help somebody today. God, use my, my mouth to speak good and not evil today. Use my feet to go to, to, to encounter the right people today who need what I have, who need the joy and the peace that I have to share with them. God, use, 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 use my mind Cleanse my mind, help me to think on things that are right, and help me to discern between lies and truth. God, you know, come, come into my will, come into my emotions, touch my emotions. Let me be happy about what you're happy about and sad about what you're sad about. And this is all part of the cleansing and the preparing for, for, for ministry for the day. And the fourth part is the candlestick. And this is, I uh, really can't do this justice in talking about it, but this was uh, it had seven, seven candles, and it was kind of one big candlestick that, that really represents the Holy Spirit. And so we ought to, in every encounter with the shepherd, we ought to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. We ought to invite the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We ought to, we ought to invite the work and the person of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Um, you know, in the morning is a great time to start and just say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I welcome you. I love you. I need you in my life. You say, well, well, what's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is, and I have this slide here for some of the titles given to us in Scripture for the Holy Spirit. First of all, he is our comforter. He's our counselor. He's our advocate between uh, me and the Father. He's, he's, he, he, he's, he's my conviction. He's the one who tells me when something's off. He's the one who kind of whispers in my head, says, that's, that, that's not quite right. He's, he's, he's my conviction, and he's also my assurance of salvation. You say, how do you know you're saved? Because I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. That's how I know. I, and, and, you know I, I, just, I just know he's my guide. He's the one who shows me where to go and, and how to live. And, and as I tell my kids, he's the one who tells you who to marry, all right? So you don't just, you don't just get to pick. You got to let your guide help tell you. He, he's the one who dwells within us. He is the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of Christ. He's the spirit of life. He is my teacher, and he is the witness. He's the, he's the one who, who tells us about Jesus. He's how we figure out who Jesus is. We read the Bible, and the Holy Spirit translates it because we're like, what? And then the Holy Spirit brings it to life, and he lets us understand who Jesus is. He's my teacher. And um, number five, this is a table of showbread. 
And uh, this was a table that was in, uh, it wasn't in the outer court, it was in the inner court. Um, and this table held um, the showbread, which the showbread is symbolic of the word of God. And this is a part of our conversation with the shepherd. Uh, Lord, I want to meditate on your word, even if it's just one verse. I'll just take one verse and I will just pray that one scripture. Whatever that one scripture is, I'll pray that one scripture. Let the word of God be a part of your prayer language. And number six is the altar of incense. And this is just outside of the holiest place of all uh, in the tent. This is in the tent, but it's outside of the second, the most holy place. Um, but they would burn this, 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 this altar where they would burn incense. And, um, you know, incense just, it's like smoke. It just starts filling up everything. It gets in your clothes. It gets in the curtains. It gets, it's just, it's everywhere. And this is what God wanted. God wanted this smell, this fragrance to be in the place where he would dwell, where people would worship him. And that's why I think the incense really represents worship. It represents this, this atmosphere of worship, and that ought to be a part of our prayer time, which, which worship is different than praise. Praise is thanking him for what he's done. Worship is just loving him for who he is. It's just acknowledging who he is. And so uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago about the different names of God, the titles of God, even just the Holy Spirit. Just go ahead and use those. Lord, I thank you that you're my comforter. I thank you that you're my healer. I thank you that you're my, my, my refuge. I thank you that you're the God. Scripture says you're the God who's there. <laughs> Where's God? He's there. Where's there? He's there. Wherever you are, that's where he is. You know, if I'm sitting down in the valley, he's sitting down with me. I thank you that you haven't left me or forsaken me. I thank you that you're faithful. And so you just begin to just begin to worship because the presence of God comes where he's worshiped. He always shows up where he's worshiped. Um, you know, you can get into political stuff and weird stuff. For a while there, Christians were like, you can't say Xmas. You have to say Christmas. We got to put Christ back in Christmas. And and to me, I, 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 I get it. I'm not big on the X, but Christ doesn't show up where he's mentioned. He shows up where he's worshiped. So you can, you can keep Christ in Christmas and then not celebrate or worship him at all at Christmas time, and he's really not there. He's just, his name is there. So Christ shows up where he's worshiped, where, where, where you give him a place in your life and say, you are so worthy. I'm taking this 15 minutes right now, and I'm going to set this time aside to pray and to worship you. The final point is the Ark of the Covenant. This is at the center of the tabernacle. This was the, the most holy place, and this is where the presence of God dwelt. And this represents for us our intercession. So I want to read the scripture from 1 Timothy 21. It says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings, for all those in authority, that we may live peacefully, quiet lives, in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. When we come into his presence, that's where we put forth the petitions. And that's where we ask God to do a work on our behalf, whether it's healing or whether it's salvation, whether it's help or just, just simply uh, to make it through the day. That's where our, our intercession comes in. That's where we, be, we begin to stand in the gap for other people, for our leadership over our country, for leadership over our schools, for the people in authority. We, we stand and we cry out for them that God would, would have mercy, that God would direct and guide them uh, in the way that he wants them to go. And so I hope that that can help you this week um, as, you, as you actually pray. Because <laughs> we can talk about prayer all day long, but it's kind of like riding a bike. You got to get on it. Um, so I want to encourage you to get on prayer. <laughs> Sounds weird. 
But, like, seriously, you say, I, I really don't know how to pray. Just take a few minutes, take five minutes, walk through that list right there, and whatever you can think of, if you can't think of anything, then just skip it and go on to the next one. And just, just take five minutes this week and say, I'm going to engage with God in prayer. And you'll, 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 you'll trip like riding a bike. You'll fall, and, and, and you'll look stupid. But nobody's watching. <laughs> Nobody cares. It's just between you and your shepherd. And after a while, you'll find that this is the place of comfort. This is the place of grace. This is the secret this is the secret to a Christian's life and walk with God. It's the secret. It's the secret to living in the mountain where there's victory. It's not, it's not anything else. It's just really, really simple and really, really difficult for us to do. So uh, the, the, the journey that we're talking about is a journey to a place of freedom. And if you'd like to start that journey today, I just want to give you an opportunity to begin that journey by by receiving the shepherd's love first and foremost and just making that decision to follow him. That's the first step. And so I'd like for us just to take two minutes right now and let's close our, our eyes and let's bow our heads and let's just, I just want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to start this journey. You might say, well, I, I don't know anything about the high places, but you're, you're still in the valley and that's okay. God can take you higher. God can take you to places that you can't take yourself. God sees stuff in you you don't even see in yourself. God believes in you. He has faith in, in, in what he can do in you. And so as we're just taking this moment to pray, I, I'm just interested if anybody would like to make that decision, if you just raise your hand with me right now and just say, I want to go with the shepherd. I want to follow the shepherd today. I want to make that decision to follow him. That's awesome. And for some of you, it's, it's, it's like the first time you've ever made that decision, and others, it's, it's, it's not. But it's okay. It's always the right time to decide to take the first step. And so if you would just repeat after me, if you just pray along with me. Actually, let's, let's everybody, let's just pray this prayer together, because it applies to every single one of us. Just say, Dear Shepherd, <laughs> I need you. I'm sorry for going my own way. And today I choose to follow you. I make you the Lord of my life. And I receive your grace and your comfort that was paid for me by the cross that Jesus died on. I receive the blood of Jesus into my life right now. And I open myself up to the Holy Spirit. 